0: Welcome back everybody to Leaf Promotions, the unsigned podcast. I'm your host, John Scanlon from Leaf Promotions, and this week we have the amazing Barry Mills from Massive Wagons. If you could all just take a moment to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast, we'd really, really appreciate it. it really helps with getting more people able to listen to future episodes. If you're enjoying these episodes, please let us know on social media, at Leaf Promotions on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let's get right to it. Here is Barry Mills. Enjoy. <laughs> Welcome back everyone. This week I'm going to take you back to 2012. London stages the Olympics. Scotland announced a referendum on independence and Denise Welsh wins Celebrity Big Brother. Somewhere in a small music venue in Stockport leave promotions but little known Lancaster band Massive Waggons for the first gig in the town who get a memorable huge crowd response on the night. Fast forward to 2021. Massive Waggons have two top 20 albums in the UK on the back of playing national tours and huge festival appearances. Having supported the likes of Leonard Skinner and Status Quo. Please welcome the lead singer and king of the helicopter spin, Barry Mills. And why man? Yeah, yeah, still doing that. <laughs> I thought you might be, yeah. Still go to me. Still
1: still whirling the air around, yeah. The, <laughs> the most He's dangerous what? front man in the in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> With a mic stand, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, how's it all going? Yeah, it's it's going it's going well, mate. Yeah, it's it's good to talk to you. I mean, crikey, 2000, 2012, was that the was that the first time we? That played? That was the
0: first one. I think you. the last one you did for me was two thousand and fourteen, if I remember rightly. You did a good couple of years playing for Leeds,
1: right? Crikey, bloody hell! Eh? Not long ago, two thousand twelve. Yeah. Bloody hell! It we was on a Thursday night, were not it? We? It was Thursday night, I think, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, bloody I used to bring in all nights. the all the all the new bands used to play the Thursday nights, bring them in and see how good they are, and then the best ones went on and played the showcases, which. Obviously, you ended up doing quite a few of back in the day. Yeah, good
1: times. They were always doing great, great nights. They were just doing like, yeah, they really were. They were one of the best, best, best nights we did. You know, not just because I'm talking to you, but they, you know, time. we didn't didn't have, didn't have to play some shite. <laughs> they, they, they were great. They were great nights. The places were always they had a good reputation. So, you know, people always turned up, and it was well, always. We 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 helped
0: having, to... It helped having bands like you playing it. The venue at the time was the <laughs> uh, was was the Baker's Vaults, um, and it was yeah. kind of the best known venue in Stockport for live music at the time. It's kind of, things have changed a little bit now, but yeah, had, we had some great, great nights in there.
1: Dude, yeah, well, I mean, we've got fans, we've got people following our band now, uh, still following us, that we see turning up to gigs that, from those, that we met at those
0: bakers' nights, you know. Yeah. yeah Stockport really. crowd is a pretty loyal crowd, they will follow bands around if you like them, they'll follow you forever.
1: Oh, they're great, yeah. They're some good times. <laughs> some good bands
0: as well, great bands. Yeah, man, we'll, we'll get on to that, that's, uh, that's all going to be part of the interview, don't worry about that. <laughs> Yeah, for anyone, I can't believe that anyone hasn't heard of Massive Waggons now. If you know about the unsigned scene or the or the signed scene now, should I say? You've been signed for quite a while now. How would you describe your style of music? Our
1: style of music, um, it's kind of changed. It's kind of changed a lot, really. I mean, when we were playing stuff for you, it was kind of it was kind of a lot heavier, really. It was like down-tuned kind of Blackstone Cherry mixed with Airborne kind of kind of thing going on, really. And we've kind of we've kind of ch- changed. Every album's kind of changed. It's, we've turned into some sort of like. I mean, I like commercial music. We we all right. I've big trying like big catchy songs. To be honest, at the moment, so sort of a bit. There's a bit of punk there and a bit of rock and roll, and it's very it's very honest music. But it's, it's still pretty late, still pretty larry. The the heart and soul of it's still pretty much the same as it was. But yeah, pretty pretty new face kind of music, really. Yeah, loud, big, big, big choruses, big riffs, that kind of thing. You know,
0: you know, has it been a conscious thing to change your style of music over the last couple of albums that that you've done, or has it just happened organically? It's just the way it turned out.
1: No, I think it's happened. I just think it's happened organically, really. Uh, we've been been doing it for that that long now. I mean, it's fair to say. I suppose with it, with every band, you, you're influenced by what you're listening to and listen to different things over the years, and and probably take a lot of influence from 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 different people without even realizing. You know, I mean, we have played with the Wild Arts quite a few times now, and that that was a big that was a big change. Let's starting to listen to with the Wild Arts a bit more and Ginger Wild Arts, especially his solo stuff, just blew me away. You know, and I just, just thought his style was amazing and what he did. So, you know,
0: I'd, 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 have, I'd have to say I was influenced by him, definitely. Well, I mentioned in the intro as well, Status Quo. I think that they've been a large influence, especially in the early days. Definitely. Um, I remember you did the single Honouring the Death of um, Rick Parfitt. And I remember, it did his That's son it. share it on social media and kind of brought a lot of attention to it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to be honest, that, that song was like the turning point for the band, to quite honest with you. I mean, Status Quo they kind of influence our life performance and our attitude more than anything, you know, just that, they're just a, just a, an honest, just an honest bunch of down to earth kind of guys really. And that's what I love, I love about them. But, but back to the stack was, uh, that that was the reason we got signed to E-Rake. Um, it got picked up by Planet Rock and they played it a lot. And then wow. it, that just seemed to be the turning point in that song. Absolutely. Uh, we got a message. We got, we got contacted by the head of E-Rake and he said, I've heard, I've heard uh, back to the stack on Planet Rock and, do you want? Do you want to do record your next album and release it through us? I thought it was some sort of joke. I didn't even know who <laughs> he was. Somebody, some guy called Digby. I was like, this guy, this guy, this guy for real. So, yeah, but yeah, it turns out he was. And that's basically how it happened. Yeah, just
0: because of that song. So, it just shows you how one moment can totally change the course of a of a. Absolutely. Of a band. This podcast is kind of aimed at the unsigned bands, but also bands starting out as well. So.
1: Oh, yes, just stick at it. Yeah, absolutely. Anything.
0: We we, we did have a record label, um, Off Your Rocker
1: Records, and and, uh, our our two albums, I think we did with them, the the label had ended, the contract had ended, and they didn't really want to sign with them again. And uh, there was a lot going on in our personal lives, and to be quite honest with you, we were close to knocking it on the head. I didn't much want to tread water and do the same thing again. And then just out of the blue, completely out of the blue, it was a flipping message on Instagram. It was a message (laughs) on Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> That's how he contacted us. I'm Digby from e Do you want to re- record your next album with us? I'm like, Oof. yeah, that, that, Who? Would look, Who are you? that
0: would look suspicious. I've talked on previous episodes about messages from people on Instagram where they say, oh, send us your post and we'll get you 2,000 likes on it or whatever. Exactly. So, so, a lot of the time, it seems like quite dodgy uh, promotion work on there, but. Yeah, it seems no, like an unusual way to lay, for a label to contact you.
1: It definitely was. I, I thought it was a joke. Yeah, as I say, I sent it sent it to our manager, and they, they checked it out, and no, it was it was obviously deadly serious, and here we are, yeah, crazy. <laughs> if You're right. You can things can change in a in a in a minute. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So talking about social media, actually, social media currently is flooded with rumours of a lack of interest in guitar-based music in the modern era. How do you respond to people who say that rock is dying out and there's no market for classic rock in particular anymore? Having already had well, your own proven success,
1: Well, there you go. Then You're kind of, a, I can't. Well, I suppose we're a bit of an, an an answer to that question, really. I mean, it's not. It's not commercial. I wouldn't say it's dead. I'd say the people that say it's dead, may be referring to it being not being commercial anymore. There's, I mean, there's not really any rock bands in the charts. But I do this full time now, so I make yeah. a living out of this. Me and Adam do the guitar player. We both do this full time. You know, we we have a unit, and we practice where we have all our gear, all our Merch is sent out for me, we rehearse right here, we can afford that. You know, we, we, we manage it, so it's clearly it's clearly not as dead as people think. I mean I mean okay, the, the the demographic, the age demographic is is maybe a bit older because these those people remember it from back in the day. But you've got these one day, two day festivals and they're all sold out and they're all packed. We play them. we play them all every year in this country and all the festivals are all the rock festivals are, are packed out. Stone Dead Festival, Steelhouse Festival, Rambling Man, Download, Bloodstock. They're all heavy music festivals and they're all sold wow. out and they're all, everyone's having a great time. So it's, it's, clearly not, it's clearly not that dead, is it?
0: Well, I'd say they're, all, they're all obviously huge events. So I think yeah. it's a bit rich to say that our music is dead. But like I say, maybe it's just appealing more to a slightly older audience. But hopefully maybe, it's still yeah. there's still young rock bands coming through. So I think yeah, to absolutely. see someone like yourselves obviously being able to make a career out of it is pretty inspirational, really.
1: People who were into rock and metal when it was commercial, when it was huge... They like, wear, they like They like. to find a band and they like to wear the band as a badge, you know. They, they, and they like to support bands and see bands come through. And that's yeah. great. at
0: fans, Rock fans are so loyal. So Your following, following in particular seems so dedicated to everything that you do. You've got a huge kind of social media presence. I know you do a regular podcast now. You do loads of YouTube videos, kind of vlogs and stuff like that. And yeah. the amount of likes and the amount of um, shares that you're getting on now is, is massive, really. So kind of testament to the hard work that you put in.
1: Well, it's kind, it's of, kind, of, yeah, yeah. Thanks. He, yeah, but he, I mean, a lot of that, a lot of that kind of thing was was back being backed into a corner with COVID. You know, I mean, we would sort of started to do that kind of thing, but because there was no gigs, we could really sort of focus on that a lot more. I mean, there was two ways he could have gone as a band, I suppose, during lockdown: is you could either pack, shut up shop and vanish, or you know, just adapt and like overcome. And t- well, you've yeah. got to remain in people's focus in people's eye lines, you can't, you can't just let all the work you've been doing for years just vanish just because you can't play gigs for the next year you've just got to do something
0: different, I think Well that's it, that's kind of the main reason for this podcast existing as well, same thing letting people know that we are still out there and just because we're not allowed to physically go out and put gigs on, we can still be active and we've still got stuff to show people no, that's great. Yeah. That's no, I that's
1: mean, yeah. going really well And we've all learned, a, I mean a lot of us, us massively have had to learn a new, a new skill set, you know, which is good, which is, yeah, good, yeah. Which is When we get back to doing gigs, we can hopefully do all of these things all together.
0: Yeah, there's no need to stop when you do go back to gigging. You can keep it going and hopefully it'll only, only expand your presence, really. Definitely. mentioned before about stage presence and that's it's something you in particular are definitely known for in from the early days through to now all the videos and stuff i mentioned the helicopter <laughs> spins and stuff like that <laughs> um how important do you think stage presence is for a new band starting out yeah, was I think it it's something not. that just was it something that came naturally to you when you first started or um, <sighs> was it something you kind that's, of actively worked on
1: I, it, 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 it it kind of didn't come naturally immediately i mean my first, I remember the first time I would played a bass guitar in a band for a year before, uh, so I was kind of used to being in front of people, so that didn't really bother me. But I was playing guitar, but the first time singing and singing a song when I'm just on my own, because you have your guitar and you're kind of hiding behind it, if you know what I mean. But when you're, sick, yeah. when you're a front man, you don't have anything to hide behind, it's just you and a microphone, and it's kind of terrifying. Yeah. But, but as, t- as time went on, I just just, just kind of learned, and, and you just got to, um, you've just go off balls, just go for it. Just, yeah. you've got to be, you've got to be brave. Just, just don't worry about it, you know. And you'll soon find, you soon find your style, and and people, people love it. Yeah, just leap around and be a bit of a knob, and I don't know. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. People, people, people like it. People, people aren't doing it. The people in the crowd aren't doing it. You're up there doing it. So. Well, that's
0: it. I think people are, um, underestimate just how scary it actually is to get on on stage and perform, especially your own material in front of in front of a crowd of strangers most of the time. Pretty intimidating. Yeah.
1: It's, it's not, it's not, so, the, the, the worst bits for me, for absolutely years, Well, still are really, the worst bits, are the between songs, you know, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're doing something, it's not so bad when you're singing or or whatever, you're sort, of, you're sort of doing something, but when the song ends and there's a bit of silence and then everyone's looking at you and you're the man with the microphone, suddenly the man, everyone else with a microphone in the band is tuning their bloody guitars up, they don't want to say anything. <laughs> You sort of fa- you got to face it out, think of things to say. That, that, That's that, that it's something we haven't
0: covered before on the podcast, but it's something that all bands have to deal with: is the kind of stage banter in between songs and how yeah. important that can be in terms of keeping people interested. Definitely. If you just stand there and say Definitely. nothing, or just look at look down at the ground, you can lose a lot of interest very quickly.
1: Definitely, you've got, you've got to keep
0: you've got to keep the momentum going
1: for the whole set if you can. Definitely, I, I write, um, I, I write, I get our set list printed out, and then I I write I write notes on it, you know, which is a all good right. thing. You know, little keywords and little sentences and things I want to say, something that might spark something. So if I'm struggling, I'll just look at the set list and think, right, nice one. Just mention that, you know, thanks for coming or uh, this is about this or it's happened to me today. Or have anybody seen this in the news? Or I don't, I don't really know anything, you know, but make notes on my set
0: list. That that, that's, that that bails me out all the time. Well, that's it. It doesn't even need to be anything massive or anything particularly. Like you don't have to tell jokes or anything in between songs. You just have to keep people engaged, really, won't yeah.
1: they? And, I, I mean, mean, I mean, a lot of that, a lot of that does come down to as well. We've we learned is the band as well. You you all need to know what you're doing on stage, without a doubt. You know, the band need to be aware that you you're stood there with a microphone. It doesn't look good on them if, if nothing's happening as well. So then they need to get their ass in gear and you know, kind of fire into the next song pretty smart. It's, you know, that keep keep the set rolling. You know, if you if they know that you're
0: struggling, then they, they need to be behind you. If you're like you know, you're all.
1: You're all on stage together.
0: Tuning times for guitars and stuff like that can take an age if you're not if you're not fully prepared or rehearsed at doing it. Uh, yeah, these are it. things that can really A delay a set and secondly, like like I said before, kinda of lose people's interest.
1: Yeah, that's it, that's it. But that I mean all that all that's all that's to learning in here, you know, it just it just comes it just comes with time.
0: That's just yeah. how this is all a massive learning curve. It, it comes so, with experience it's... and you've been doing it for quite a while now. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you originally get into original music? What made you want to be in an originals band rather than just going out and playing covers? To be, to be honest,
1: play, playing covers was great. I played in an indie band, playing a lot of Arctic Monkeys stuff. I've learned the bass guitar, and I'd, I just wanted to get some lads together and... Play some I can't style. imagine I can't imagine you playing art at Monkeys. <laughs> Can <flat? you> not? <laughs> <laughs> we did, did it for about a year. We played loads of stuff like that. I, I basically I found a guitar player and a drummer who loved that sort of stuff. I, I don't mind it. So I was just happy to I just wanted to play songs. So I was like, I want to learn songs, I want to get good. I don't want I want we'll do this. And we, we were all right. And then and then Adam uh Adam Thistlethwaite joined the band. The guitar player left and then Adam joined. And and he and he he brought with him like just this love of rock music. I'd always always love rock music. And we just got on like a house on fire and Started playing a bit of Foo Fighters in this set and uh, Bad Company and a few of the few of the tracks and we, we we connected and and then that band that band uh, finished for one reason or another and uh, and me me and Adam were just like he was working with with some of the lads doing some covers and we, they were short of a singer so I, I joined them as a as a singer never sung before and, and we we just decided like the the novelty of playing covers wore thin pretty fast to be honest it, it paid it paid well at the time and it was okay but it just it just got a bit boring you know learning other people's songs we just thought. Oh,
0: fuck it. Why not well, This is I, something I've I've said before: is um, covers gigs are for the money, but originals gigs are for the soul. Yeah, de- well, yeah
1: de- well, de- well, yeah, well, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, first they're not for, for they're not for money, are they, At first, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. <laughs> but, you know, but uh, you know, that, that that's yeah, you just you got to do it because you love it. You want to get somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. We were we were just passionate. We just we just loved it. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah I
0: always definitely. think the um, disparity in pay between covers gigs and originals gigs is absolutely shocking and should be. A lot closer in terms of in terms of equal pay but but obviously um we've talked about this before on the podcast and venues are more inclined to go with music that they already know what it's going to sound like they're not taking as much of a risk and therefore they're more happy to pay more money for it but still makes me depressed
1: i mean we, we used to play we used to play on a like a friday or a saturday night and i think we'd get paid like 200 250 quid if we played a bike i do We'd be getting paid sort of three, four hundred pound
0: maybe because they, they, we got into the biker scene and that was great. They were great. I mean, uh, to be fair, that's that's really good rates for the for most of the unsigned scene. You're not going to get anywhere near that.
1: No, but that, that that was covers. They were cover gigs. Oh, right, covers gigs. Yeah. yeah, cover Even gigs. Yeah, yeah. And then you play, <laughs> then and then you play a cover night and get paid twenty quid, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, whatever it was, it was what it was. You know, we, we did we did both we we did both because we did it to fund the the original stuff we were doing. You know, we bought that. We never split the we did cover gigs. We never split the money. We just put it all to all in the pot and paid for a van. And
0: paid yeah, I think I, th- I think if I most originals bands now they don't actually take any money because oh. it's not a massive a huge amount anyway. But it can contribute yeah. to things like transport and getting new gear and stuff like that and just yeah. more gigs in the future. I mean, a lot, not a lot.
1: I mean, I do understand. Like we used to play with Lords, obviously. You know, as you know, we used to play with Lords. Lords of original bands, and we were one of the us, and I think hell to pay. Maybe, yeah. maybe one or two others were, did, did both, but yeah. 90% of bands were just just doing the original stuff and it's, it's hard work learning two hours of covers to go and play you know, every Friday and Saturday. And I understand not everybody wants to do it, but... I, really I think, think it's actually was. a lot
0: more common now to have two entirely different bands with the same group of people. Um, right, yeah. Because of the financial side, it's a lot more common than it was back in the day when you were playing the Baker's Vaults, well, probably. Yeah, um, yeah, which is which is sad really because obviously it's detrimental to the original stuff to have less time spent on it and have to learn other people's songs for the yeah. cash.
1: We had a weird situation, well, much like Hell to Pay, that we did, um, we got to a point where we were we were doing cover gigs and doing original gigs under the same name, and people, people weren't sure. People ended up turning up to like original nights thinking it was cover nights and vice versa, and uh,
0: right. it, all
1: just, it all just got a bit awkward. And after a few years, we just had to knock the cover gigs on the head because. We just couldn't. We just couldn't do them both. To be honest, We're sick of lugging that damn PA around as well. <laughs> Honestly, <it>,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> welcome yeah. to my world.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: I literally so have to move it like three times a week. But it's <laughs> we don't have one set venue with its own gear anymore. I'm basically, turning, turning pubs into venues. So when when the Baker's actually went and Live Stockport went, we didn't have one dedicated music venue in in the town. So I right. just basically approached pubs with function rooms. Right. I got hold of my own gear learned how to do sound and just run it myself now really uh, right well fair but that's if that's I hadn't great. have done that I would have had to just knock it on the head as well um, absolutely that's well that's, that's probably the best thing I ever did because we've never we've never had as many gigs as we have now
1: really pre-covid <laughs> that's, that, that's amazing that's amazing you look kind of like a travelling a travelling sort of gig aren't you really Put, essentially yeah I'm a mobile gig service That's <laughs> a, that's, it, a that's great that's great
2: that yeah <laughs> We'll
0: Your time on the unsigned scene. Like I said, you, you did that for quite a number of years before you actually got signed. What was the best thing in your experience about being involved in the unsigned scene? Hmm, the best
1: thing. Uh I don't know. I mean it was always there was always a there was always a buzz. I mean it was the excitement really. I mean going going to play it sounds it might sound ridiculous now looking back, but going to play all these I I I would never have really Ventured into Manchester for any any reason, to be honest, back in the day, or Stockport, or up to Scotland to play a biker rally, or but wherever. But it's just it's just a buzz of getting on the road, going places, and seeing new people, and seeing these other bands, and taking chances, and you know, getting compliments from people, and pe- picking up fans, and selling a bit of merch. The whole experience was just a just a massive buzz. I thought I, I loved it.
0: Just I to
1: it, yeah. absolutely wouldn't have done it as much as we did.
0: Do you still get the same, now you're a side band. do you still get that, get that same buzz when you're out on tour? Oh, oh
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's massively, massively different. But, it, yeah, yeah, to, totally,
0: yeah, totally it's the, it's the same. Yeah, totally, it's, the, it's, just, it's just the same buzz, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. It's good that you've got, because I know you've done some, obviously, really small venues. You've done small venues in Stockport and Manchester and places like that. And you've done absolutely huge places now, huge festivals and big, big kind of music halls and stuff. So it's good that you still have the same love for it. Over all those years,
1: it's still it's still the same. It's still the same buzz when you when you're waiting to go on stage. If you know what I mean, it's just a it's just a just a different level, I suppose. It's uh, you still get the same butterflies. It's just exactly the same feeling. <laughs> no doubt about it.
0: I still get nervous before every gig, even Here though I'm not There you go. There you go. Exactly. The same it. Even though, like I say, because like, even though I'm not performing, and really the pressure isn't on me, that my work's kind of done before we get to the gig, other than doing sound. But yeah, I always think yeah. if I wasn't feeling nervous about it, then I obviously don't care, and I should probably give it up.
1: <laughs> that's what I've said to people.
0: Definitely, definitely, it's yeah, uh, yeah, that's a spot on, is that yeah? So what uh, on the flip side of that? What is the worst thing about the unsigned scene when you were when you're involved?
1: The, you know, the worst, the worst thing about the unsigned scene.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, so worst, many things. Yeah, <laughs> uh,
1: I, I don't know. To be honest, the worst thing about the unsigned scene for us was. I was to well, I was having to do it and work jobs as well. To be honest, like it was obviously obviously great going to like play at Baker's Vaults and whatnot on a Thursday night, but you're getting home at like two o'clock in the morning. And then me and I was driving a wagon at the time for a living, and I was sort of up at half past five, you know. And we did that, doing Saturday, two or three nights a week, doing one in Manchester and then That's came it, back yeah. home every three single three week. Morning, and it's yeah, like, it takes its toll. It does take its toll, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, we're pretty good. I, I quite enjoyed most. It. I quite enjoyed most of it, to be honest. It was, was stuff like um, I never used to like playing on. Never used to like playing on bills with like loads of bands. I just like bills with like three bands maximum. If there was like four or five bands, it drive me up the wall. I just thought by the time by the time it gets to us, if we're headlining, people are fed up. There's absolutely gear everywhere. we lost loads of gear over the years. Everything's black. No, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's, nobody's organized at that level, everybody just comes in and dumps their shit everywhere so yeah, all your exactly. drum bags and guitars and amps are all together, it's just chaos the chaos, I didn't really like that
0: but. That's exactly what I talked about before with um, Ed from Loot, have you heard of the band Loot?
1: Yeah,
0: uh, yeah I've heard of it Ed was talking about gigs in Manchester where you get five, six bands on and sometimes yeah. your set, set length would be less time than you change over time, it just seems absolutely not worth doing at all but it, it yeah. still goes on now in central but, city centres bands,
1: bands that don't fucking stick to their set times as well they do man. that is
0: frustrating
1: yeah that is frustrating you, you travel all that you travel all that way and you're on last and because somebody can't stick to 20 minutes or half an hour they do 45 minutes you know and then you end up playing 15
0: minutes at
1: the mm. end you know which is uh, it happens you know,
0: it? it still happens all the time <laughs> it's one of the
1: things and it? it's you just got to you just got to you've just got to take it out of the chin and just keep just keep at it
0: just keep your name out there just don't be put off. it, just happens every now and then. This is why I like to stick to nights which are only three or four bands, because you can counteract any technical difficulties or delays in set time, or if yeah. someone's late, you can work around it. If you've yeah. got six bands on, you nightmare. can't be flexible at all, it's just a bloody nightmare. Yeah, definitely. What's the best experience you've had at a gig? You've played some massive gigs in the last few years especially. What's what, the one that stands out as like an, like the highlight so far?
1: Oh, crikey. To be honest, I mean, it sounds it might sound a bit corny, but that download is definitely a highlight I mean you never yeah, cut to be, hasn't it? You, you never think you never think as a you, you just never I never thought we would ever, ever play a download. Never thought. Years ago, five, six, seven years ago, you, it's just an absolute pie in the sky it was. And then uh, that that was amazing. But twenty it was a twenty minute set, it was the fastest twenty minutes of my life. How many times
0: have you played? Download now is it just the once so far?
1: Just the once, but we're, we're, we're booked to play the next one. But we are playing the second stage next time. Oh,
0: yeah. Which so how be, many people uh, actually watched? Did you reckon
1: in the crowd the first time you played? The t- well, the tent held two thousand people, and you couldn't. You, there was people stood outside. You couldn't. You could <laughs> <think. laughs> That was amazing. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> that that or so, um, that or playing st- the Steelhouse. We played Steelhouse Festival and headlined the Friday night, and that, again that was an outdoor stage, and there was probably. I don't know. Probably something similar, two and a half thousand people. That was that was
0: great as well. If I was in a band, I don't think there'd be anything better than playing a proper massive crowd at an outdoor outdoor stage. It'd be just immense. Oh yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's a great feeling, yeah. So, was the one gig, one gig in particular that you would say was absolutely terrible in the history? Terrible. Of the wagons, yeah, like the worst one. The worst gig ever.
1: I don't know really. Stephen knocked me off the stage once. We played him. It was a good gig. Stephen Howard, guitar player who replaced Carl, he, he knocked me off the stage in Morecambe and I went absolutely arse over tit off the front of the stage and landed <laughs> like, landed upside down on the floor. And it was like a flipping, it was a high stage. I don't know, really. I've, you know what? I've never really never had any shit gigs to be honest. I don't think in all these years. All, you know, we played to, we've played sets to like one or two people back in the day, I suppose. Odd, odd sets, which were a bit shite.
0: I think because. You gen- you obviously seem to genuinely enjoy it. Maybe you've kind of blocked out all the memories of the terrible ones. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because you maybe must maybe have done know. some bad ones in the early days. Everyone has. I'm
1: pretty, I'm a pretty positive person. I, I I don't I just see everything as progress. I try not to take any anything negative from any from anything. It just yeah, we're looking back we've played to small poxy crowds on a Sunday afternoon in a pub. We've we have we have been he- I suppose when you get heckled is we played some gigs in Morecambe that were shite, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting shouted at by the locals when you're playing cover gigs to like people sunday afternoon drinkers you know young lads that don't want to listen to rock music and you're playing flipping acdc and stuff like that
0: yeah, I think you should have brought be... out some some arctic monkeys to... yeah
1: maybe <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> who would love
1: in that card- a cardigan on
0: <laughs> so obviously like i say you've done you've done a lot of gigs for, for a number of years in the early days um yeah. unsigned nights and you played with a lot of different bands who are your top three un- unsigned acts or bands that you've personally seen live, either Flippy. played with or just gone out to see? Flipping heck, Uns-
1: oh, current? Well, well.
0: Hmm. Either historically, because I know a lot of the same bands that you will know, I imagine from those early days. So I've got a couple I mean, of I'm expecting you to say, to be honest. So. Fuck yeah! I mean, whether I they're know, still together or or not.
1: I don't know if I could pick three. I don't know if I could pick three.
0: I don't. I don't know. I've seen, oh, I ab- I've seen some amazing bands. <laughs> We've had well, people do five, sneak in five before. So we'll I, could do, five.
1: I could probably do five, easy. Well, back from back in the day, I mean, uh, Inferno were always a, an amazing band.
0: Yeah, I knew you were going to say Inferno. Inferno played the leaf a number of times, and they were an incredible band.
1: They were an incredible band. Yeah, absolutely. they, they, they. They're. We played. We must have played. Still must have played up there with one of the bands we played with the most over the years. Definitely. Them. There was a band. There was always a band on the scene. I don't know if they ever played for you. I think they might have done. A band called the Fiction.
0: Oh, the Fiction. Yeah, yeah, they did play for yeah. well, Yeah, they were, ama- they were amazing.
1: I, well, me and Adam thought
0: they were amazing.
1: And they, they, they didn't they weren't around so long. Uh,
0: the drummer and the bassist from the Fiction went on to be in a band called the River Verses. Ah,
1: oh, that's right. Yeah. Who are one of the
0: uh, one of the tightest bands you'll ever see, and also that's one of the, the most kind of unique bands on right. Manchester Circuit. They also haven't gigged for a while, but rumours are that they may be coming back at some point. But right. if you've not heard of the River Versus, definitely check them out. They're unbelievable. I, I,
1: I, definitely, I definitely have, because the bass... I think I'm friends with the bass player on Facebook. I, I can't remember his blinking name. He was a lovely, lovely guy. Yeah,
0: Jim Trippier. Jim Trippier.
1: That's, that's it. That's it. Flipping heck. He, he was always down the front, uh, head-bagging uh, gigs and stuff. He was crazy. Great yeah. block. The, the fiction were amazing. I thought they were amazing. They uh, were great,
0: and they didn't last very long at all. I don't know if there was a... Fall out no. there or something, but yeah, they know. could have been a lot bigger than they were. I, I but think yeah, so the River so. verses are are great.
1: I've got, I've got the, I've still got their EP somewhere at home. I still, still get to play every now and then. Great band. Another <laughs> band, another band. Um, I mean, I feel, I feel I'll be doing bands of disservice if so I don't mention them. I mean, we we play with those damn crows. I mean, they're a pretty special band. They're obviously signed now to E-Rake, but we we played with them. They supported us on tour when they weren't
0: signed. The Welsh band, they're 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 amazing. Did you have a hand in them getting signed or was it just purely coincidence?
1: No, I don't think it was no, it was it was nothing well, it was nothing to do with us personally, them getting signed, but we we got signed to E-Rake, and then the first time E Rake we played Nottingham, a place called the Bodega, and, and E-Rake, the E Rake guys came down to see us and that was the first time I believe they'd seen those damn crows and they possibly got signed off the back of that gig, so it was, you know, it was uh, the right place at
0: the right time. I think. Yeah, I think that's so, so often the way that bands do get signed. It just has to be mm. in the right place, uh, right place at the right time. Because there is yeah. so, the standard is so high on the unsigned scene, especially in the northwest. I always say that. And there's so many bands who could have gone on to be absolutely huge, but they just don't get, seem to get that opportunity, no. or maybe they just don't get the, the little bit of luck to get signed there. I think a lot uh, of it. I, I do
1: think a lot of it comes down to bands giving up too soon. I mean, yeah. you just, you. I mean, I we've we I've nearly we've nearly given up a number of times, but. Yeah. He's, but I
0: think if, to... You guys are obviously willing to put the graft in. It's not necessarily for everyone to just put. You could, no. if you have to put years into something, you don't necessarily instantly see the, the positive stuff coming back. It can be no. hard. It can be kind of uh, disillusioning at times. I imagine.
1: Yeah, de- yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. I don't know. You just got to just just keep going. Yeah. I mean, you have got to put out good, put out good music and. I suppose. I, think, I suppose there's a, lot, there's a lot. There's a lot of things. A lot of things have to uh, have to be right. I suppose. But I do do, anyone... a lot of,
0: do give up. Cool. Do give up too soon? I think. So is there anyone else you want to give a shout out to before? Oh, we
1: exactly. uh, we played. We played with a band called uh, Scam a lot over the years. That they were they were an ace, an ace band. Guys from Leicester, a Welsh yeah. band Henry's Funeral Shoe. They're amazing. A two piece. Yeah, I don't know. I could, I could go on. I'll leave it that. that. That's a great <laughs> band. <laughs> Check all those bands out.
0: This Is the point of the show where I do three completely random questions that all I right prepared before? Here we go. Usually they're a bit stupid, sometimes they're a bit thought provoking. Let's see what we've got this week. Number one, what's the best type of cheese? The best type of cheese, Lancashire crumbly. you got to keep it Lancashire,
1: not
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love Lancashire crumbly cheese, it's <laughs> <laughs> Any other <laughs> shout-outs for any other, any other varieties?
1: Was uh, yeah, it strictly uh, Lancashire uh, or nothing in your house? Lancashire household? Tasty. also like Edam's e- nice. What's, oh, is that one with the holes in? What's the one with the holes in? Uh,
0: the Swiss cheese. Swiss 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 cheese, cheese,
1: that's, cheese yeah. that's nice, yeah, I like that. <laughs> they like cheese, yeah. Crumbly cheese, Lancashire Crumbly Cheese. Check it,
0: yeah. Keep yeah, it like, Lancashire, folks. That's, that's the best one. <laughs> Without a <laughs> doubt. Right, it's a difficult one, and you, you can't right. have to think about this one. Though. What's the most ridiculous fact you know?
1: Oh, the most ridiculous fact I know. Yeah. The most ridiculous fact. I'll tell you what it is. Hang on. I did. Um, we do. Um, we do a radio. I do a radio show on uh, something called Primordial Radio. Me and Adam do it. We have our own show. Yeah, that's, I, quite I, a, that's,
0: that's quite. That's that's a recent thing. You've only just been brought onto that show, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We've been doing it for just over a month, I think. And I read out. Of, I actually read, read out a fact. A guy called Don Gorsk in America holds the world record for the most amount of Big Macs eaten. Thirty. He's eaten thirty thousand Big Macs in his life. Oh my god! I know. <laughs> he ate nine. He, on, alive. The, on the first day, on the first day, he started eating Big Macs. He ate nine, nine Big Macs on the first day, and he ate two hundred and fifty Big Macs in a month. Oh my god! That's crazy. Was he in? He?
0: Was he in the film Super Size Me? He was. Like, I believe he, he was.
1: That? Yeah, I didn't yeah, I didn't yeah. know that, but yeah, he was. Don Gorske is called. Oh, you
0: should. If you not, if you not saying that, that is a hell of a. Um, I,
1: I haven't seen it actually. It's something I, I should, I should watch actually. Yeah, yeah you
0: imagine it. I think he is. I'm pretty sure he is in there. As like a legend of McDonald's isn't
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right, There's a even more difficult one potentially. If you were reborn into a new life, mm-hmm. would you rather be alive in the past or the future?
1: Oh fuck, the past definitely.
0: Any particular era?
1: <laughs> oh, any particular era? Yeah. Whoa, cool! Flipping neck. I always used to want to be born And in, 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 in live through the 60s I always thought that would be pretty cool
0: yeah, uh, I figured you'd want to see something to do with A musical heritage time
1: Yeah def- definitely yeah The 60s or maybe the 80s I don't know the, I was a kid in the 80s But yeah the 60s or 70s or the 80s definitely I don't know Yeah right the 60s yeah But, but born in Born in round. Born in the early 60s, yeah.
0: yeah is, is there one moment during that time that you'd like to go back and witness?
1: I'd just like to see so many of those bands, I think it'd be cool. To be to be around when rock rock and metal was just... I mean, if I was born in the early 60s, I'd be sort of a teenager in the, in the mid-70s, mid-late 70s, mid-70s. Yeah. And I would be. it would be just the best, I think. Yeah, it'd be great.
0: Well, so, yeah, you'll be seeing all the massive bands now in the tiny venues. Exactly. A it when it's like 80 people in there rather than 80,000.
1: Exactly, yeah. So I think, I think that's that, but probably why, right, to be honest, yeah.
0: It's interesting because we were talking about some of your favourite gigs being the large-scale ones, and I've done mm-hmm. some quite large-scale ones um, over the years as well. We've done 5,000 people over three days at uh, beer festivals and stuff, but I still, in a way, get more from the smaller, intimate gigs because... Right something really special about being in a room when you see the really early stages of a band that you know are going to be really special. And I'll go back to when I first saw you guys, and as I mentioned in the intro, the crowd response, even though it wasn't a particularly busy night, but every single person in there was hmm. absolutely transfixed, and they were raving about it for the entire cool. night. And even now, one of the bands that I get asked about the most is you guys. So, <laughs> again, that's a testament to, uh, to well, how many people have gone on to follow you.
1: Well, if you want a tip for like for other bands listening, again it goes back to the cover night. We played cover gigs for for quite a few years before we played any original gigs. So we'd, but by the time we were hitting the original scene, we were like playing Friday Saturday nights to to pubs full of people. So we'd only we'd already kind of learned a a lot of stagecraft and we were already tight. So when we when we kind of hit the Original band scene with our old music. We, we were like, we don't, we've we, been, we were honed. Do you know what I mean? We, we knew what yeah. we were doing, and a lot of people were like, who, who the fucking hell are these lads?
0: You know, <laughs> we're getting people going and jumping about because we had confidence from doing the co- the cover stuff. Yeah, yeah, like I said, yeah, because when you first came in, I think you'd only just, you might have only been going for maybe a couple of years, maybe not even that, but you're already starting to make a name for yourself when I put you guys, and straight away. The response from the crowd was instantaneous, and mm. I kind of knew something special was happening. So I'm glad you I didn't remember, give it up all those years ago. I remember you telling—I remember you telling me a similar thing with the uh, the Virgin Marys, because you, you used yeah yeah guys, exactly exactly the same. You get a vibe from some gigs where you just know something special is happening, and definitely mm. the the later gigs that you guys were playing for me, I could see a change in the crowd. Suddenly the crowds are getting bigger and bigger, specifically to come and see you guys. Everyone was asking me about you and when you next play in, and you kind of know. It's going on to the next level. I've seen it only a handful of times, but Virgin Marys were definitely one of those. It's funny. It's funny because when
1: you sent me the when you sent me a message to say, in fact, I don't know if you had, I don't know if it was a massive coincidence, and you sent me the message for this podcast afterwards. I was actually talking to Adam because I work with Adam now, obviously here at the unit, and I said we're on about uh, old gigs. And I said, Oh, I said, wouldn't it be great to? I said, I said, I remember our last, one of our last gigs for you, and you said, just promise me you'll come back and play me a gig one day. (laughs) And I, and I said, I remember standing there saying, Oh, don't worry, John, we'll come back and play for you, mate. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And I said to Adam, wouldn't it be cruel if I could go back and play? And I can't remember if that was because you'd sent me this message or, it was before it was just a
0: massive coincidence but yeah i would like to think it was a massive coincidence it's a nice story <laughs> yeah i, was, I wasn't going to bring that up because every band yeah. like i say when i get that feeling about a band that i know they're going to get signed every band says oh i'll always, I'll always play for you guys I don't, know, don't worry about it and I always say you know what if you go on to do amazing things and that in a way if you go on to do amazing things that that is enough for me because i've been part of that journey but yeah it would be amazing to get you guys back and do something in the future yeah.
1: It would. I mean, I mean, we we do talk. We have talked about doing out, going out and doing some. Me, Stephen, and Adam going out and doing some acoustic shows and stuff, you know. So,
0: oh man, definitely, <laughs> absolutely, have down for that, hundred <laughs> um, percent. So yeah, I was going to say number one piece of advice to a new artist, which is what I ask every week, but you've mm. kind of already covered it now. Um, when you said just kind of go out there and hone your craft and get experience during gigs, would that be yeah. would that be the number one thing that you pass on to the next generation?
1: Yeah, that 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 and uh. That and learn to you see so many bands don't don't be don't be a Billy Big Bollocks. That that's we saw the da- the downfall of loads of bands because of that. Bands that bands that aren't humble and don't uh they seem to think they're uh, something special when they're not if you like, you know. You get a lot of that. You probably see a lot of that. A lot of attitude from I do people. See
0: that you see that with some bands who are literally doing the first gig and they come in swagging around <laughs> like the <laughs> oh,
1: in the fucking, in the sunglasses the in the dark. It's like, what do you look
0: like? I think that comes across. All of you guys still seem so down to earth. In all the, in all the radio shows and all the, all the videos you put out, it doesn't seem like your success has changed you at all.
1: Nah, uh, nah I, 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 wouldn't. I don't want to change me. <laughs> I wouldn't say so. It's just fun. I'm just having fun. You know what I mean? I, I, it's not about. It's not. It's about me and my life. But it's not about my ego. there's no, I, there's no egos in our band. Not, not one of us. It's just about. We're lucky that we get to do this for a job now, so it's just it's just amazing. We're still as blown away as,
0: as the next person really about it. Are you still? So are you still? Are you surprised even now about how much success we've had?
1: Am I surprised? Uh, yes, yes, and no. I'm I'm blown away that we are still doing it, but we I, I do I, I you know I I do think we have we have earned it because we have put a lot of work in and a lot of effort yeah. in.
0: I was going to say you are one of the hardest working bands to have gone for so long and done so many gigs over the years. You definitely earned your success.
1: Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. I definitely. I don't want to sound like an asshole, but <laughs> yeah, I think we have. Th- I think we've earned it. But I am surprised. I am appreciative, and I am blown away that um, it has gone this way because it's not the easiest game in the world to uh, to d- to do anything successfully, really.
0: I think people who know of you now would be very surprised to hear that there was ever a point when you were going to give it up. So um
1: well, well yeah. it's kind of. You get in relation, we We're all single when we started this, you know, and then and then you, we all end up with girlfriends, and then Adam ended up with a, a little girl, and then another kid will come along, and it's like, you know, things are, and then and then your record contract runs out, and you think, F- where is it really worth it? I've, you know, I've got families now, and, and yeah. you know, unless something big happens, uh, you know, it's going to be a bit of a, a bit of a drag. So then, a year it came, thing came along, obviously, and then that was that. I so said the timing just seemed absolutely perfect in that. In, it was like an moment. absolute freak absolute freak of nature. It was just bizarre. That's happened to us loads of times. I don't know I'm not a I'm not like a, a believer in I don't know if I'm a believer in sort of fate or the weird workings of the world, but we have we have loads of things have happened to us over the years that you would just think are just the right the right time, the right things have come along. which is weird. Absolutely.
0: Any upcoming projects, is there anything we should be looking out for? Any new records or
1: uh well, well, we're, we're writing, we're, we're writing another album. Like we we must have six or seven songs written. So we'll probably be recording that at the end of the year. We've got a tour in September. Hope, things crossed, hopefully, if that goes ahead, that's like a UK tour. It about fourteen dates, I think. And we do, we're doing, we have a thing now called Wagon's World, which is like, um, <laughs> which is yeah, which is on which is a, a Patreon. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's like, yeah, yeah. A, it's like a platform, and uh, it's it's, a, it's almost like a. Uh, a modern take on like a, a band fan club if you like so like hardcore hard fans of the band you can subscribe to different tiers so there's sort of the bottom tier up to a top tier or whatever and they do you all offer different things for whatever you want or whatever you can afford or whatever, what kind of stuff
0: know. are you off what kind of stuff are you offering on
1: that? we do we do all sorts of, um we 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 always do online stuff interactive stuff get online and talk to people Adam does guitar lessons we do a podcast just for patrons we have a patron. We do two patron bashes, like gigs just for patrons. So there's like the top, yeah. the top tier is the house of noise tier, and we do a, We do like a barbecue every. Well, we haven't actually managed to do it yet because they're flipping lockdown. But it's planned now for August, I think, just for those people a barbecue and a gig, and we're going to get some of our mates down uh, who are in bands and play some stuff. So that'll be sort of a hundred people, and then That's we do perfect. a patron, doing a patron bash in the Slade Rooms at, in uh, Wolverhampton in October. That's just for patrons as well, so it'll be kind of lots of special stuff. They get merch, you know, exclusive merch and d- discount off all our merch. There's there's loads of stuff, really, yeah. That's
0: brilliant. Is that something that's pushed by your label, or is it just something you? No, you'd no, it's,
1: no, it's not nothing to do with the label at all. It's me, me and Adam, completely. Right. We just we do everything, yeah. Yeah, like
0: I say, hardest working band out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what you ask. <laughs> so, what are the links to your socials? Where can we find you on social media?
1: Oh, we're, I mean, flipping heck, we're everywhere. There's no, other, there's nothing else in the world called Massive Waggons. I was going to talk about says... the
0: name Massive Waggons as well, but I found oh, out God. the origins of it. The... F- <laughs> 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 the origins are on Wikipedia. If you want to search for yourselves. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, yeah. I don't know if he's on there. I don't know who wrote our Wikipedia page.
0: Well, there is, not... there is a version on there to do with the barmaid. If that's anything to go. Oh, on. is there? All right, I'll <laughs> let you go. Then. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, everywhere. So Facebook, everything. Yeah, so of that usual stuff here. Yeah. Twitter, Instagram, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, thank you very much for coming on, man. It's been an absolute pleasure reminiscing about the old times.
1: No worries, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it was an absolute pleasure. It was a big, a massive part of our sort of journey, really. You know, I remember, it. I remember all them gigs vividly. You know, it's it's great as well when they're on YouTube. I've been back a time or two and watched. Uh, Watch gigs from Baker's. It's that flipping post in the middle of that stage. I'll never forget that as long as I live. I it. <laughs> I
0: know. If you see a red stripe down the middle of any video, you know, you know it was the Bakersfield. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, 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 I did. I did like an online festival. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. If that's when you saw them coming out, but I did it on on our Facebook page, and I put loads of old footage from. Most of it was kind of around the mid kind of noughties. Yeah. Uh, sorry, teen naughty. What do you call them? The teen times of the noughties. <laughs> around the the 2000, night, Yeah. Start of 2013. All. And there's quite a few videos of you guys, and you can just you can you can see the crowd. I know well into it. Yeah, it's um, good it's good yeah, times, it's great time fans, yeah. But yeah, thank you very much for coming on, man. No hopefully, worries, Johnny. Good, good. It'll be sooner the next time we speak to you. Well, look, and one a day again... if we can sort a of gig out in the future, that would be absolutely
1: amazing. Absolutely. Man. Well, I'll talk to Adam, you know, about doing some acoustic stuff, and if, uh, if if we can sort something out, well, I'll absolutely be in touch. You have my word on it.
0: Oh mate, that'd be great. Absolutely, oh. I know oh, I said that too, before. I'll look. <laughs> yeah, he said that seven years ago. <laughs> Hopefully, it won't be another seven years before we speak again. Ooh, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank all you right, very job. much. See you soon. Bye. So that was Barry Mills from Massive Wagons. Obviously a huge guest for us to have on and it's great that he still remembers his time playing for Leaf after all these years. Once again, don't forget to like, follow and subscribe wherever you're listening to this episode and if you'd like to, follow us on social media at Leaf Promotions on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. These episodes drop every single Wednesday so hopefully we'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Bye.